Hello everyone and welcome to the Sala podcast. I'm fortunate to be here with Cassie Thring in her studio at Floating Goose Studios in Adelaide. Uh, the studios are on Ghana land and I want to acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Cassie, thanks for having us in today. It's a pleasure, Steph. Thanks very much for coming in. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be sitting here in the studio surrounded by your work uh, that we're going to delve into a bit today. Do you want to start by giving us a bit of an uh, overview of your practice? Sure. Um, well, my, my practice is multidisciplinary. Um, I, I started out as a ceramicist and have just kept adding tools to my kit bag along the way. So now I do a lot of printmaking, uh, sort of experimental photography. I'm a painter um, and obviously I still do a lot of clay work. Mm. Can you tell us about the lobster work? Yes, I can. Um, well, I've been photographing the big lobster at Kingston forever. Um, I go down to Roebelot in the southeast and uh, it's part of my journey is to photograph the big lobster as I go past and as I leave. Always from a moving car. I never like to stop. I've got a few boundaries that I need to adhere to. Uh, so I've had this collection of images for years and I've always thought I'd like to do something with them. And when Andrew Purvis asked if I'd like to be a part of their new gallery for one uh, program, I thought what a, what a brilliant opportunity <laughs> to um, use that imagery and um, make some ceramic tiles and also... Um, develop some, pol some small Polaroid images that I'd taken that I then enlarged to the same size as the tiles and hand-coloured. So it, it's just a, a pretty much an ode to my love for the big lobster. That's so brilliant. It's a bit <laughs> of a favourite project in the Sala office, I must say. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and what about your ceramic works? I've... Um, seen some of it at felt space um, in the last couple of years always these sort of lovely figures what's this what's the story behind those works um i've been sort of exploring notions of grief and sorrow ideas around loss and grief and so my ceramic work has been pretty much just exploring those ideas through small figurative works um quite pensive, private, small um, sort of iterations of what that might feel like or look like. I think sometimes these things are quite difficult to talk about and uh, the way I make them is also fairly dramatic at times with great sort of ropey tears spewing out from eyes that makes them maybe a bit more accessible but I know some people have said to me that they like them, but they couldn't bear to have them in their homes because they're too, it's just too much. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And I I'm making um, new work that you can see here on the table today. And that's um, for a show here at the Goose, at the Floating Goose in September. Wonderful. And that's will be called The Tears of Things. And it's pretty much what it is about. Yeah, I am sitting next to um, one of said ropey tear sculptures, <laughs> and yes, it's it's fantastic. 
I do think some of the tears are, become, are looking a little bit like the crayfish claws in their sort of gnarly um, firmness. You know, it's made of clay, so they're not watery at no. all. Uh, if I, I'm sure if I painted them orange instead of blue, they may, they may look... <laughs> <laughs> maybe all, all my ideas are, are merging into one. <laughs> what a great crossover. <laughs> no, there's something about that, that difference, though. I think that's important to this work. Can you tell us a bit about what it's like to work in a studio, the way you've got other people around, um, you know, instead of working in a solitary way? Mm, mm. Well, I'm lucky that I've had both experiences. Up until um, I was at AXA, I worked from home, either in a shed or a studio, some kind of studio space, whether it was the kitchen table or then a more um, sort of designated space. And obviously I always really enjoyed that. I felt very lucky to have a space to work in. And then when the opportunity came to be at the Floating Goose, I thought it was a really great way to step out of um, the security of an art school environment into the big wide world with uh, peers around, you know, other emerging artists. And immediately you're connected and with our project space out the front where we um, have different exhibitions. I thought that was a great way to learn more about everything to do with um, what it's like to be an artist. And of course, here at The Goose, everyone, um, we know each other well. We're a really strong community. And I was a little bit concerned maybe that um, being so visible as I'm working through things not really knowing what I'm doing might be um, a bit challenging, but of course it's not. It's it's the opposite, really. It's very supportive. You know, you get a lot of space, but you also get heaps of support if you need it, creative support as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about The Goose, as it is affectionately known, um, and how it started and how, how long has it been running as well? Um, this is our sixth year, I think. It started um, with a merry band of art students um, a few years, well, six years ago. Um, and they decided they wanted a space and there was a space at the old Trims site that had come up. So they very bravely signed on with, I think, some of the original members that are still here now are Andy Clark, um, Nick Hanish, Jamie uh, Willis was very early on. Um, so, so they just sort of took a leap of faith and it's grown from there. We got kicked out of the old trim site when they wanted to, to develop that and they found um, this space here on Morfitt Street. So yeah, it just was really grown well and now we've got 12 artists, not all from AXA, so we're getting a bit of diversity in as well <laughs> uh, of different ages and stages. So it's a really wonderful creative space. Mm, you've really grown into the space as well. It, it's mm. got a great feeling to walk into. Oh, good. And um, All right. Cassie, as well as your, uh, your own arts practice, you also do a lot of work with different communities in an arts context. Can you tell us about some of the different projects you've been doing? Sure. Um, I think the first thing that I got involved with was facilitating an art space 
in aged care. And I responded to a, um, a handwritten note that was pinned up at the art school asking for a volunteer um, that had some artistic or creative interest that um, wanted to work with within that space. And I've been wanting to do that for a while. You know, my, uh, I don't have my parents anymore or my grandparents. And I've had experiences with um, uh, people in aged care and I know, know how um, lacking that is in a lot of ways. And I just thought it would be an awesome opportunity for me to reconnect with um, elderly people and perhaps just make make a part of their time there just a little bit more positive. So I went to Helping Hand in North Adelaide and didn't really know what I might do. Um, but I've been there for nearly five years now and I, I go every Wednesday afternoon and we've had three Sala shows. And so that has been wonderful in itself um, because, you know, these are all people in their late 80s and 90s. Some have had creative lives or have had art, you know, normally painting or um, a textile artist artwork in their lives before, but some of them have never picked up a you know, wouldn't know one end of a pencil from the other. So, you know, a really mixed bag, but all just coming along and ready to um, give it a crack and just, I don't know, have an experience. And it's been a really positive experience for all of us. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Yeah, it's and, been really great. And that's got longevity, three Sala shows. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, and also, you know, when people are in their 90s, the longevity is not long. <laughs> I know when um, Len Harvey um, uh, had won the um, Outsider Art Award a couple of years ago and I was able to go with him and his wife to the awards ceremony and we didn't know, of course, that he was going to win and it was super exciting for us, I, I I think it was for everybody because it was such a deserved winner. But I can remember afterwards, um, Len saying to me, and then I'd taken a bottle of bubbly the next week to um, to our class to celebrate, and he said to me, you know, Cass, I'll I'll remember that night for as long as I live, which might not be much longer <laughs> <laughs> because he's ninety four. But it was a really a powerful thing for him. He said he'd never. He'd never won anything for his art, but had never really been recognised for his um, artistic merits before, even though he was a dedicated painter forever. So it was a really powerful moment for him. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. And also, you know, if, well, whatever um, our exhibiting experience has been, it's been a really wonderful experience to, for people that never imagined that they would have artwork in an art show. So it's um, fantastic. That's so yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, those outcomes are great, but of course the most important bit is just, you know, a couple of hours once a week coming together, like-minded, creative people, you know, just trying to work out how to mix a colour or just chatting about art. We've had some wonderful um, excursions to the art gallery where I've taken them um, to the art gallery with another couple of volunteers and seen big contemporary shows that really 
challenge their thinking and even just seeing the size of some paintings. They never imagined that things could be like that. So it's a thrill for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, last year when Sonic Blossom was on at the art gallery with Li Ming Wei, I think her name was, or his name was, I don't, I don't know. And I took um, one of the helping, ha- one of my um, group one-on-one because I wanted her to experience seeing that in the space because I know that she had a, had had a background in um, music and she was also a very accomplished um, tapestry and needlework artist. And the the costumes that the um, performers wore were made by Akira, I think they were. So we trotted in there and... Um, she was in a wheelchair and I'd parked illegally somewhere and <laughs> off we went on this grand adventure. And the um, artist for the day, I don't know why, but he chose um, Anne to be the one that he gifted the song to, the aria, whatever the German aria was. And we, I honestly, we talk about it all the time and it was one of those sweet spots in my life and I'm sure it was with her too to share that moment, even though I was... Um, the spectator I felt very much a part of that whole thing and we were just floating for the rest of the afternoon we went to the art went to the restaurant or the cafe and had wine and um, lunch and couldn't really see much else because it was such a a moving experience yeah it was wonderful yeah (laughs) such a buzz Olive what's going on we've got a lovely little fuzzball at our feet here who is uh keeping watch (laughs) Is there someone at the door? <laughs> no, that is a wonderful, um, not just a single experience, a wonderful collection of experiences. Yeah. That, yeah, wonderful that it's ongoing as well. Yes, yes, it's great. And, I mean, you know, sometimes our conversation isn't even about art, so we go off on all sorts of tangents. And, of course, with such long lives, there's incredible richness and... Um, really uh, sort of intimate shared moments of uh, wonderful wonderfulness. Yeah. That's so lovely. Yeah, it's great. No, I mean, it's such a privilege. You know, we'll talk about, I don't know, about having babies or wartime stories. I know one day I wore a, a shell necklace, a beautiful Indigenous um, shell necklace, and one of the women who was really, um, didn't talk a lot, but, she was looking at my necklace and she said, where did you get that? And I explained. And she said, I think they're cowrie shells. And then she went into this beautiful story of how her husband, who was her fiancé at the time and was stationed in, somewhere during the war, had picked, collected from the beach six cowrie shells and posted them home to her. And she said the whole war, she kept would keep them in this box, take them out, you know, turn them over and then put them back in the box just waiting for her her lover to come home and um, she said I hadn't thought about that for years I don't even know where the cowrie shells are now but just seeing your necklace and you know to have those kind of moments shared is such a beautiful um, privilege yeah yeah I'm glad that every Wednesday you've got that time put aside to yeah have those connections yeah have that time I'm so lucky I've got that you know, able to have that time. Mm. Mm. Um, Cassie, I, I hear that you just did a pom-pom workshop yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've 
I was there yesterday out at Davron Park and last week as well with um, Robin and Mitch. Um, and we, this is the only the second week they've been they've been reopened since um, COVID. Oh. So, uh, you know, the amazing Carly Snowswell runs the program, and it's such a such a valuable and fantastic program out there. And, and we've had good numbers coming through, and just a great exchange for young kids who love art, obviously, to see that there are people out there that have it as a profession and. Um, that's that sharing of skills and exchange is it's a fantastic program mm. and that's through car club isn't it yes yeah yeah wonderful yeah so you've got many communities around you that you're um you know sharing your art with and yeah I sound like a board game you know from ages of three to 97 <laughs> <laughs> but it's true you know they're both you receive far more than you give oh that's lovely yeah <laughs> Um, we've just mentioned the um, interruption that, that COVID has presented. Um, you did a bit of a project uh, while that was on the uh, the Good News Bank. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, a covert COVID project with Nicholas Hanish, um, my partner in crime. You know, we collaborated on a, a chat. We had a show last year at Praxis um, called Good News from Outer Space. And um, we had such a fine old time making that work together. It was, I felt like it was a really rich and true collaboration um, and quite surprising. You know, we, we may look a bit like an odd pairing, but our practices are quite aligned in a lot of ways. So it was um, an easy, um, easy to work together. Well, I thought it was anyway. I'm pretty sure he feels the same way. <laughs> Uh, so during COVID, when we weren't really um, at the Goose in the studio very much, um, I've been wanting to do some work with, we'd been joking about a term that we called exposure coin, where it was sort of this um, this money that artists were paid uh, when we weren't really being paid very well. <laughs> we, or we always joked that we would get paid an exposure coin. So... Um, I was talking to Nick about it one day and we decided it was time to make our own exposure coin. So we came in and for about a week we just um, made some very lo-fi silk screens and lino cuts and printed heaps and heaps of like gazillions of um, exposure coin and laughed and chatted and had it all spread out here on the floor and um, it was just a fun, really fun time when, when we weren't really feeling, feeling great about too much at all. And, and, you know, everyone's feeling so uncertain and um, it was just nice to connect with someone again and have a few laughs. And so we decided that we would, um, that we would open the Good News Bank and we printed sacks and stuffed them full of our money with also a letter of introduction from um, the founders of the Good News Bank. And we um, then delivered them anonymously to about 12 different um, arts organisations in Adelaide that we thought might need said stimulus package. <laughs> and that in itself was great fun. Um, and we were 
I don't know. We just, it was not ridiculous. It was just funny and fun. And we um, had hoped that it would bring a smile to a few faces along the way. Um, and a crazy outcome of it, but a wonderful outcome was that we were included in Paul Greenaway's Love in the Time of COVID exhibition with one of our um, banknotes. And now that has become this big collection, a boxed set of um, works that has been acquired by um, the Art Gallery of South Australia and the museum, the National Museum of Canberra, um, an ins institution in Scotland, oh. and hopefully um, further afield as well. So we've now been acquired by nationally and internationally through this um, little project. Mm. So, you know, not an expected outcome at all, but uh, a thrill for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I can say that um, when the Sala office received its stimulus <laughs> package, there were many smiles and laughs. So how wonderful to have a, such a local and then a, a broader impact as well. Yeah, it was very unexpected, but um, I'm glad that it, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. And uh, who had the title of Chief Minting Officer? <laughs> I don't know. But when I look back at that picture and I've got a moustache and we've got sun visors and gold chains. and You looked the part. <laughs> we were fully immersed as bankers and we are getting itchy fingers at the moment to, um, to develop some more, some more work. But, you know, of course, the Good News Bank is all about we would never... Um, sell any of that it's only for gifting wonderful mm. and um, yes you t spoke to your collaboration with Nick Kanish and can you talk a bit more about the moving image work that you had at Praxis uh, yes I can um, the the moving image work was began with a conversation about first exhibiting at Praxis when I was um, at a residency in South Africa, and I've been taking, I've been taking some photographs and making some of these very strange cyanotypes out of the imagery. And I was just talking to Nick on the phone one day while I was there, and he was here talking about um, applying for a show at Praxis, and we got all excited about just talking about what we've both been seeing even though we're, you know, a, a long way away from each other. And so when we came, when I came home and we were making a lot of other work, uh, that uh, video work just evolved from his skill set and my skill set. And, you know, when you talk about sweet moments in, in, in your sort of practice, I know one night we had at Praxis... Uh, an experimental chamber orchestra um, had asked to come and perform and they perform music um, as a result of looking at our work, which was an incredible privilege and, you know, really once in a lifetime uh, thing for us. And Matthew Timmis was one of the um, musicians or sound artists. I don't really know how he would title himself. And I can remember sitting there with Nick and um, Matthew was playing to that video and I just felt like super connected to the work and to Nick and to the music and it was just one of those really um, intense experiences. Yeah, it was wonderful. And, you know, we were talking before about, 
your practice and and the the part that sound sometimes plays in in it i think that for us we thought that sound would be a good idea for that work but we had no ideas really or or direction on how to introduce that and so when Matthew arrived it was like manna from heaven and he played the the music he played was just incredible how serendipitous yeah it was just yeah one of those really wonderful moments that's beautiful yeah and I yeah wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have you know those little unobvious kind of things they're they're quite special yeah yeah um wanted to like touch on anything in development or I mean I've talked about my upcoming show whether that actually sees the light of day I feel like I feel like we're about to get shut down again although we seem to be sort of holding holding it back Mm, Um, so uncertain isn't it yeah I mean I'm just committed to I'll put the show up and um people can look through the window or you know, I'm sure Chloe Noble and Barry um, here will will get some online content, mm. which will be good. But you know, sculpture is difficult. You know, I feel like you really need to come in and see it, and I think um, so. Yeah, and occupy the same space as it. Mm. I think. Mm. Well, just as well there is at least that big window space <laughs> if push comes to shove. Exactly. Mm. I mean, and I think really that. For me, by then it will be done. You know, this is this is the, my time of um, of develop. You know, it's through the process. For me, I think it's the making that's important. I feel like once the work's made, I'm pretty much not over it, but I've really let go, and mm. it's not as important. Yeah. Mm. And how? What kind of um, for your ceramic works? What kind of timelines and processes are involved in that making? Well, you obviously have to work back from a from September. I have, to, I ideally would like to have everything fired and and made within the next week or so. I'm trying out some new glazes and um, really high sheen lusters, like a gold luster that you would normally perhaps put on, you know, a beautiful china cup just around the rim or uh, for a very small detail. But I want to use it across the whole surface so that's um that's still a work in process but I'm hoping that I'll get that done within the next week or so and then then it will all be done and it won't be you know waiting for the kiln to um cool down so that I can (laughs) put it in an exhibition that's due you know in about 40 minutes time (laughs) and you know you always have to allow for um the mishaps and the kiln um, cracking and unexpected um, disasters. Not that I have that many, but um, you always have to factor that in. Mm, yeah, for sure. So that is quite a process, and I don't have a kiln. I'm using a kiln at the mill, so I have to be a little bit organised. I know that's a bit of a, a key part of uh, having an arts practice, isn't it? That bit of organisation. Well, as mm. you. I mean, maybe you can't see, but I don't see myself as a super organised um, person. No? No. The space um, can look a lot tidier and can look a lot messier as well. 
<laughs> you could have fooled me. The paintbrushes are in the paint pots and... Oh, that's true. Everything's got a lid on. There's not so. that much on the floor. <laughs> I suppose if you've got little Olive running around, you can't really... Um, there's a bit you can't get away with. I suppose. She seems pretty indifferent to it all. Right now. Yeah. She's got her little feet tucked under her little face having a snooze. It's quite novel, actually, having a dog in the studio, surely. Yeah. I think um, I think everyone tolerates her. I mean, <laughs> she's she bothers everybody you know she'll trot along and go and visit to see if someone's up for a bit of a play but more often than not you know she'll just wait until I'm finished how sweet so what about your experience of Sala I mean well I mean I'm a big fan of Sala anyway I just love the um, inclusiveness of it and um, it's just that month of everybody's time to shine, whether you're, you know, exhibiting from your car boot or from the Art Gallery of South Australia and ev- everywhere in between. Everyone that um, either has an inkling that they might be an artist or they've got a partner that says, you know, you could, you should make mugs, <laughs> you should exhibit that or whatever. Well, they can. It just gives you permission to talk about about yourself and your practice, you know, even if you're not really sure of what that is. Mm. So I love that I love the way it's so inclusive. Mm. Yeah. And just the way you guys go about it is incredible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it really, but um, sometimes not do we. <laughs> and you know, even this year with with uh with everything um becoming smaller, it hasn't really become smaller at all. It's sort of smaller in one way and then broader in another way and who knows how how this will what you'll keep and what what you won't or what you will choose not to next year Mm, I feel like I'm being interviewed now but yes you're you're right we um it's a very interesting process to go through challenging but um yes you do wonder which of these things you hang on to because of the benefit that they've opened up for Mm. artists and um and yes you're right actually we we nearly have the amount of exhibitions that we had last year, which is just unbelievable. We thought we were going to have a, a sort of more scaled down mm. um, event this year. So, yeah, just goes to show. We're all very adaptable. Yeah, we're artists. not creatives for nothing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it's been very, very pleasing to see. Yeah, it's amazing. Well done. Cassie Thring, thank you so much for sharing with us about your practice and everything that you do got fingers in many pies so thank you for finding time on the week of a, a busy week for you with your exhibition work coming along um, it's been a pleasure oh thanks so much Steph thanks very much <laughs>